the communication is much larger than just the words said. And so we can get distracted by the words or the tone and get caught up in an argument there. But if we're ongoing students of our spouses in both directions, then we already probably know what their heart is craving underneath their communication. Hi, this is Chris Osborne with Real-Time Creative Learning Experiences. Welcome to this week's episode of the Thriving Lawyers Podcast. We have a real treat for you for this episode and uh, our next episode as well. Uh, What we've done is excerpted a uh, recorded program that Michael and I had the pleasure of doing as part of National Lawyer Wellbeing Week back in the first week of May 2020. Uh, We got to uh, deliver one of the five uh, national webinars that the uh, Task Force on Lawyer Wellbeing um, promoted uh, as an effort to get lawyers engaged with various topics of how to pursue well-being in a well-rounded fashion. And our topic that we were selected to present on uh, was regarding social relationships And specifically, what are some of the challenges that lawyers face in trying to have interpersonal relationships with the people in their lives, whether it's friends, spouses, significant others, life partners, children? Um, What can be some of the challenges that lawyers run into or that the people who are married to us run into or are in relationships with us run into. Uh, so you'll hear several special guests, many of whom we, we'd probably like to have on the podcast at some point in time, but we haven't been able to uh, get their schedules and ours to sync up yet. So we figured we'd go ahead and just bring you this treat. Uh, part one will be this week and part two will be next week. And the other voices you'll hear besides mine and Michael's are first, my lovely wife, Wendy Osborne. Wendy is uh, finishing up her graduate degree in clinical counseling and is currently a counseling intern at the Carmel Counseling Center in Charlotte. Uh, And it brings some insights because, of course, she's been married to a lawyer for uh, over 25 years now and knows a thing or two about how challenging that can sometimes be. Uh, And then our other guest uh, that we're delighted for you to hear from is Dr. Andrea Cochran, who is a licensed clinical psychologist here in the Charlotte area, uh, currently with Atrium Health. She is one of our real-time Creative Learning Experiences affiliates, uh, meaning she helps us develop and present programs. Uh, And uh, we think she's just a dynamic uh, and delightful and wise individual. Uh, And you get to hear some of her wisdom and insights uh, from her perspective as well. Uh, So enjoy part one uh, this week and look forward to part two of this interviewing conversation next week. Thanks much. Welcome to Put Away Your Legal Pad, How to Avoid Arguing Ourselves Out of Good Relationships, sponsored by the ABA Law Practice Division and Young Lawyers Division. Moderating our program today is Chris Osborne. Chris is a workshop developer and presenter at Real-Time Creative Learning Experiences in Charlotte, North Carolina. And now... I'll turn the program over to our speakers. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Diana, and thank you to the whole team at the ABA and the ABA Law Practice Division, and especially at Beacon Live, who have put together the technological aspects uh, to make this happen. Thankfully, when we planned this as part of Lawyer Wellbeing Week, beginning several months ago, it was going to be a webinar anyway, oddly enough, and we had no idea we'd find ourselves in a space where... Everything's being done by webinar these days, and there's lots of good content out there. But we're hopeful this is uh, a topic that will be of interest to folks, and we're excited uh, to get to talk with 
some great folks and, and to hear from you guys as well about today's topic. Again, my name is Chris Osborne. I'm with Real-Time Creative Learning Experiences, and I want to just get us kind of started on this program today. Let me first just mention, again, there's a little bit more uh, left. We're about uh, the fourth of five days of Lawyer Wellbeing Week. Uh, today, Thursday, the theme is social well-being and connecting with one another. And as we're going to talk about today, an important component of our well-being and our mental health and, and wellness and how we feel about how we're doing is uh, how well we're connected with other people. And if we are disconnected with other people, that has an impact on all those other elements of well-being that the Well-Being Week folks have come up with uh, that we emphasize. So thanks for being here today to talk about this particular topic. Let me tell you where we're going to go today, and then I'm going to introduce the folks who are going to help me with this program. Um, today's topic is how to stop arguing ourselves out of good relationships. And the first thing we're going to do is look at what are the unique challenges that lawyers face when we're in relationships? Uh, do we sometimes run into things in our personal relationships, whether with a spouse or a significant other, a longtime partner, might be our kids, might be other family members that we have to deal with, or even friends? What are the things that trip us up uniquely and make us uniquely susceptible to some kinds of relational conflict? And we'll talk a little bit about, too, what might make it difficult for the people who are in relationship with us sometimes. Uh, are there things that we are frequently uh, accused of doing or considered to have done that are sources of frustration or trouble for the people who we love? And as we do that, we're going to try to reframe the whole thing and try to think about relational conflict a little differently. Because we're lawyers and a lot of us are, uh, at least in the legation world, we're in conflict a lot as part of our job. But if we can make a few mindset shifts and make sure that we're having the right kind of conversation at the right kind of time and things like that, we maybe can overcome some of those particular unique challenges. And at the end, we're going to make sure that we get some practical tips that you can take away, some strategies for how to communicate more productively and in ways that won't damage or harm our ability to relate to the people around us. Now, I'm not going to be uh, talking all about uh, this all by myself. That would be silly to have a relationship about communication and interpersonal communication that one person delivered. That's kind of a silly idea, isn't it? Uh, so we've got a distinguished panel of guests here uh, that are joining us, uh, and I'm going to ask everybody to introduce themselves and say just the, this info on the screen, where you are, what you do, and the silliest thing in retrospect that you and a romantic partner have ever argued about. Um, I'll start us off. When do you go next? And then Andrea and Michael uh, in that order, if that's all right, guys. So I'm Chris. Uh, I'm in Charlotte. I am both a lawyer with a small uh, conflict resolution firm focused on mediation and collaborative law. And I am the founder and one of the workshop developers for real-time creative learning experiences. And we're a national provider of CLE and professional development programming. The silliest thing I can think of that Winnie and I have argued about and, and sort of continually recurs is um, when we're playing games and arguments over uh, the rules. Uh, as some might imagine, I, I kind of care about the rules. I like to make sure that everybody knows them. And unfortunately, I might be occasionally sometimes a little too exuberant in how I enforce them. Bossy, she said. So um, that's, that's one of the silly things that can, if, we, if we're not careful, can actually turn into even more than just a, a, a playful argument. But what would you say, Wynn? So I'm Wendy. I'm married to Chris. Um, I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm finishing a master's in professional counseling. Definitely the silliest thing would be games. I think the rules provide a general structure and the details of them are not nearly as important. 
And and I don't think they're all important, but but some of them might be. So anyway, that's that's the silly thing trips us up. How about you, Dre? My name is Andrea Cochran, and I am also in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am a licensed psychologist. And one of the silliest things that I have argued about, um, on, and I'm sad to say on countless occasions, is absolutely nothing. Where we are 10 to 15 minutes into a discussion, a heated discussion. And we totally have forgotten what we're arguing about. So that's one of the silliest things that continues to come up, unfortunately. Okay, Michael. Hi, I'm Michael Kahn. I am the co-founder with Chris of Real-Time CLE and uh, workshop developer. I am a former lawyer and uh, counselor, and I live in Vancouver, Canada. I think the silliest thing that uh, I've ever argued with uh, partner about is whatever she has brought up is always the silliest thing. Just kidding. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the counselor. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm I'm actually going to be a little bit of a party poopy here, pooper here because I'm going to say, don't assume whatever anybody brings up is silly, even if it seems silly. To, we we don't want to look at what the, at face value at the problem that someone is bringing up because it, it could represent something larger. So I'm going to just put that wow. out um, as something to think that, about. That's my man bringing the knowledge early. That's right. Uh, we, we designed that question to be sort of silly, but you're right. It might not be silly to the other person. That's kind of an important thing to pay attention. Thank you, Michael, for that uh, uh, thought there. Um, well, I want to get us on into our uh, content here today because we've only got an hour together. and We want to be mindful of everybody's time. We want you to feel free to use the Q&A box as we go along. You can put questions there. You can put comments there. There will be a few times where I may solicit comments and say, hey, everybody who's paying attention, um, type something in the Q&A box. And what we're going to be doing is Michael is monitoring that box, and he's going to be bringing some of the most interesting comments and the most thought-provoking comments or questions into our discussion. So you do have the ability to influence how this conversation goes, and to contribute something to it. Uh, so to our first topic, um, what are the unique challenges that lawyers sometimes face in relationships or bring to relationships? Now, our means of talking about this and getting the conversation started uh, is this. It wouldn't be a real-time creative learning experiences uh, presentation most of the time without a movie clip. Uh, and so we're actually going to play a film clip, a short two- or three-minute clip from an original film that we created called Nobody Told Me There'd Be Days Like These. It's a, a program that we usually do on stress, pressure, and ethical decision-making uh, in the practice of law. And we follow uh, the gentleman you can see on the left, Kirk Ellis. He is a senior associate at a mid-sized law firm. And the film itself, which is four different scenes, just follows him through a terrible train wreck of a day in which he is going to be faced with a terrible ethical dilemma at the end of it, and we're looking at the different factors that are sort of building up in him as he moves towards that kind of crescendo. But for this, today's purposes, we have a whole different use of this film. Uh, we're going to watch scene three, which takes place. It's a conversation between Kirk and his wife, Jenny. I want you to be thinking about what aspects of their conversation can you relate to? What feels familiar? Uh, what resonates with you? Uh, and then we're going to have a discussion about it. And, of course, you can give us kind of comments and feedbacks in the Q&A as we go. So here is scene three uh, from Nobody Told Me There'd Be Days Like These. Uh, and I'm going to play that now.
Hello? Uh, hey, honey, I'm about to head down to court. What's up? Oh, I was just calling to check uh, to see if you knew when you might be home tonight. Well, uh, I don't know. I have the Medlin hearing today, plus all the stuff I'm letting go because of the trial and all that, so it's probably going to be pretty late. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <sighs> Honey, this is the biggest case of my life. You know everything that is riding on it. What I know is that you must have forgotten about Caitlin's dance recital again. And what I know is that you promised, once again, that you would be home in time to help put dinner on the table and get the kids ready to go. What I know is that this is the fourth night this week. You're going to waltz in long after the kids are in bed. Honey, please don't start. Not today. Remember partnership, dear? Maybe relief from all the pressure? Everything that's hanging in the balance? Do you really want me to jeopardize all of that? What I want... What I want is to not left, be left at home alone raising three kids for over 12 hours a day, seven days a week on my own. What I want is to have a husband that makes promises and he actually cares enough to keep them. And clearly, I don't have that. Of course I care. Of course I care. Why do you think I'm trying to make partner in the first place? It isn't because I like these people or this stupid job. We need that money to finish paying off my student loans to afford to keep the kids in private school for the kitchen renovations we're gonna do. Speaking of which, I imagine I'll have to go to the meeting with the architect solo again tomorrow morning, right? Oh, crap. I completely forgot. Honey, please just let me survive today and I will see what I can do. Whatever. Honey, if I... I can get this case settled, maybe win this motion today, maybe we can go on vacation like we planned next week. Maybe? That vacation has been planned for months! What are you talking about, maybe? Well, if the case does not settle, then there's trial and... Unbelievable! You planned our vacation that I have been counting on all year for the week of the trial. You are unbelievable! Are you out of your mind? Well, I, I mean, I thought the trial would settle or, 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 or at least be dismissed. I know it doesn't make any sense, but my client is an idiot and he was freaking out today. Client might be freaking out, but your wife is cracking up. And do you even care about that at all? Of course I care. Correct, honey, I, I really have to go. We'll talk about this later, okay? We always say that and we never do. Don't even bother waking me up when you get home today. Everybody's heard that and seen the videos back with us. I do have to make one uh, casting note. That was actually, for those of you who don't know him, that was Michael Kahn, whose torso just appeared there at the end of the scene. Interestingly enough, we did make him audition for that role, um, and he won it. He beat out all the other torsos, which was uh, fantastic. Um, and you see, he did a great job there. So let's jump into that scene there, and I'll throw this question out to Wendy, Andrea, and, and I believe uh, Michael's having a few connection problems. Uh, hopefully he's still in audio. But So how's Kurt doing? How did that conversation go? What did you guys notice or observe about that? I think the poor conversation started way before the phone call. Oh, really? Tell yeah. me what you mean by that. Yeah. I think that he acted like it was a surprise, that she would be upset, that she would know there was a possibility they couldn't go on vacation next week. The don't start 
I don't think this is a new conversation or even a new. Uh, it's just another installment in what sounds like an ongoing conversation. Yeah. So what you're saying is this conversation was poor, but it's it was set up by lots of other conversations. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. And 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 the the disappointment from those is kind of backloaded into it, so it's, yeah. it's probably set up to be a train wreck. Um, Drea, any thoughts, observations? Yeah, I be- I also believe that it was it, this was a mounting conversation that's been going on for clearly quite some time, and they had just gotten to a point where it had reached ahead. Um, and there are so many layers to it with family dynamics and the, the tension and pull be- between work and wanting to, to fulfill work obligations and the, the goal of making partner, but at the same time knowing that there are family obligations. So the tension the tensions it was definitely had been mounting for a while, and it just it, it took a, it, it had gotten to the point where I think both of them clearly were just they had they had been just under the pressure for quite some time. So that that's what it seems like we were seeing at that point. Yeah, and it's it's interesting they're having some fairly mundane conversations about what's going on in their day or the rest of the day. Um, why, why do you think they hadn't had that conversation earlier that morning? What do you think the morning was like at their house? I think probably similar to many mornings where you know both of them have are waking up and there's the pressures of getting everyone everyone breakfast getting breakfast together and getting everyone out of the door and knowing everything that's stacked up for the day so I think you know the morning the morning tends to be the time where we're we're just running frenetically and trying to get everything done and trying to get everything set up and so you know I think I think there were probably just too many competing elements that morning that would prevent them from being able to have a, a, a decent conversation, just not having enough time or space to, to have a, a, a meaningful dialogue. This was not the best time to have a conversation, uh, obviously. Ooh, and, and yeah. The, um, certainly on Kirk's end, he's, he's about to go to a hearing, and he probably shouldn't have answered the phone in the first place uh, because he was rushed. He was, I mean, no matter how prepared you are for a hearing, it's still, you're still going to be stressed. And if you're late, you're going to be even more stressed. Not the best time for him to to talk. And his wife was sitting in a waiting room. We're not sure who he was going to see. Could be her therapist. Could be a lawyer to talk about uh, divorce, possibly. Uh, but but both of them were pretty highly emotional at that point. And you're really right. not going to have a constructive conversation at that point. Right. And we don't show uh, in this webinar, we haven't shown you the two scenes before this, which, which actually just, you know, show all the different things that, that are piling onto Kirk. And in fact, Kirk is fairly more engaged with the, the, the prior two scenes when he talks to a partner, another time he talks to a client. By the time he gets to this one too, so, so people might not have known, he's on his way to hearing, uh, but also he's kind of defeated already. Um, you know, and you could see that in some of his comments where he's like, oh, please don't start. Oh, my gosh. You know, he's weary. He's got arguments. He's got things to say, but he's not able to, to, to really give himself fully to this conversation. Is that a problem? Wendy and, and, and Andrea maybe speak to that. Is, uh, how, how important is it to have kind of an emotional reservoir when you head into a conversation about important things like what we're doing together and, and what's happening, you know, in the coming days? Well, I think if you're in a relationship, then it's 100% necessary because otherwise what you're bringing to the conversation is just what you need and you don't have any margin for what the other person might need. And so 
um, you're going to be tripped up by any extra demand they might put on you in that moment. I would concur with that. And I also, I think it, it can be very difficult to find that reservoir. So I, and that, that becomes a problem, I would say, on both ends, where if there are so many competing elements going on at the same time, it's difficult to find that reservoir. So having a reservoir means that at some point it was, it was relatively full. And unfortunately, what happens is that, especially if, we're, if we have so many competing things going on at once in our lives, um, which is often the case, the, the, the reservoir tank has been depleted you know, sometimes months ago. So, and, and it's, it's difficult to find that time to, to just even be able to breathe and do some of the simple things so that the reservoir tank gets depleted very quickly. And sometimes it's difficult to, to, to even fill that reservoir tank back up, let alone our normal right. tank. I think that's definitely a challenge I can relate to as a pricing lawyer and, and having a, a business as well. And I, I don't, I'm not good at, monitoring my own reservoir tank. Like, I think it often, and Wendy, you tell me if you agree with this, but sometimes my tank is lower than I realize it is. Like, the, it's like the, the, the dial is busted or I don't look at it. But what would you say about that, honey? Can you, can you tell when my tank's getting lower more than I can, perhaps? I would agree. I think I can. <laughs> I think I can. We also both think we can tell about the other better than uh, the other can kind of chronically as well. Uh, but, but your partner is a kind of a good bellwether to some degree of, hey, how you doing? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you keeping emotional bandwidth for other things besides just work, uh, especially when work is demanding and work you know, demands 8, 10, 12-hour days or more uh, as lawyers. Chris, can I sure. chime in? Sure. I've got a few comments that I just wanted to share that, I, that may be helpful for the conversation. Uh, somebody said, I can relate to the terror of hearing the ring of the phone while rushing out the door. <laughs> that definitely puts it into a yeah. better perspective there. Somebody else said logic won't work right now because they are both uh, emotionally. Ooh. And another, another person had a, has a really good story here that I'd like to read. She said uh, her husband and her often argued about lunch. And he would say, do you want to litigate this or just have lunch? And, oh, um, yes. and she, and then she goes on to say, another time we had a major argument in the car while stopped at a railroad. I suddenly asked, what is really going on here? And he proceeded to tell me of a major issue affecting both of us and just didn't know Ooh. how to start the conversation. And that goes to wow. what I said earlier about what's, what's quote unquote silly and not silly. Well, and that's, um, Wendy, you had a thought about that when we were giving a presentation like this recently about how the issue isn't always the issue. Can you speak to that sort of? like figuring out getting below the surface presenting problem to what's really going on. What are some things that are, that are commonly below the surface sometimes? You might have to remind me what I said. <laughs> it was brilliant. I promise <laughs> you that. Uh, basically, it, it, kinda, it, it builds on Michael's point about how it sort of might be silly to one of us or it's kind of a nuisance to one of us. But the, the issue itself, like the toilet seat being left up, or the example that we have to talk about a lot, unfortunately, is me getting home on time. It's not just about kind of a really pickiness about time, but can we tell what Kirk and Jenny want? Let's maybe tackle it that way in the movie first. What do Kirk and Jenny want that they're not really doing a great job communicating about? I, I think she's wanting to know that she matters. Okay. So I think she's wanting to um, be able to tell that by knowing that he's prioritizing marital and family needs. I don't think she's really saying work doesn't matter. 
but she's saying, do you have room in your busyness for us? Oh, that's a good way to phrase it. And what do you think Kirk wants? What What is his sort of, if he could reveal to us what he would like right now, kind of from her, what would it be? Because he, he didn't, you know, we got clues to it, but what, what do you think is, is important for him? I think he wants support and he wants mercy. Okay. He feels in over his head. Can I add respect? Yeah. I think I think I think a big deal for Kirk probably. And spoiler alert: I, I wrote the character and I knew a little bit about the character. He he wants to be respected. He wants her to recognize, hey, I've got a lot going on, and I'm doing it for us, honey. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm you know, of course I care. You heard his desperation. Don't question whether I care. I'm just overloaded. I'm kind of getting chills as I describe that because I've 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 had I still have feelings like that of like, oh, honey, kind of can't you just see? Mm-hmm. I'm doing this all for us. And so I may be screwing it up, but, you know, know that I'm still in this, you know, for us. Um, but he's not able to directly ask for that. And, of course, this timing is terrible. This is not a great forum, a setup for a conversation uh, uh, to happen like that. So we've talked about what they want. So uh, how, Wendy, what are some ideas, and, and Dre away in as well, what are some ideas? How, how can we find out what the real issue or the real concern is what are some ways to get to that instead of getting stuck arguing about whether it's the toilet seat or the toothpaste cap or whether you were late this time or not or whatever i i think listening and we'll, we will hear this throughout this presentation but listening is key and many times we have to be not just listening to the words that people are saying but really listening to how it's being delivered what might be some underlying message messages that the person might be communicating, and also being able to kind of recognize some themes that are there. So maybe a, a common theme might be one, one person feels like they are not being heard, or possibly one person feel, feeling like they are being talked over quite a bit. So just kind of listening, listening for, t- for themes and being able to attend to, to the, 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 again, the underlying messages, because most of the time, Communication is not is really just not not just about words. There's so many other ways that we communicate. We communicate obviously with body language. We communicate with tone of voice. We, we communicate a lot through our eyes or um, or just just even sometimes you can you can just feel either a warmth or a coolness coming from from someone that you know very well. And depending on on how they're communicating the message, many times you can you can kind of get to listen for or attend to what what they're really saying versus just listening to the words that are coming out of their mouth because the danger of listening to just what's coming out of someone's mouth is that you're we're we are quicker to jump on what they're saying versus what they might be meaning the tricky part for us as lawyers also is we are trained and wired to respond like we listen for oh no i know the way to defeat that i know that's evidence isn't admissible because it's not fair it was longer ago or we talked about it or you're not right i did get home uh one night this week it's not the fourth night it's only going to be the third you know we are primed and, and it's our job most of the time to think what's the counter argument and so that i think makes it really dangerous for us and easy to miss What's the heart? What's the point? Not whether it was three or four times that he hadn't been home, but rather, the, like you were saying, the, the desire. Are you with me? Are we in this together, or am I just handling all this stuff myself? 
Well, and I think the reason I said earlier why this argument started far before this phone call is really the kind of communication that we're aiming for requires being a student of your spouse so that you already know what the deep desires tend to be. Mm. And just like Andrea said, the communication is much larger than just the words said. And so we can get distracted by the words or the tone and get caught up in an argument there. But if we're ongoing students of our spouses in both directions, then we already probably know what their heart is craving underneath their communication. That is a great takeaway point that I don't even think I had in the, in the webinar later, but, but underline that, folks, what Wendy just said, uh, a positive idea of being a student of your spouse or your significant other, whoever you're dealing with, and looking at every opportunity of communication as a, a way to continue that process and, and learn more. Michael had something he wanted to, to, to chime in there with. Yeah, I, a couple, couple of things. I want to respond to that, and then also I have a question that I want to put out there. Uh, I think you need to be okay. a student of yourself as well uh, um, yeah. and and really get a sense of, you know, uh, either either Kirk or his wife would have needed to at that point get a sense of where is this conversation taking me emotionally? What am I thinking? And be able to to monitor that. And when they're getting to that place where this is not constructive, to take a time out uh, or do something to self-soothe and know that, that this is not going to a place that's going to be constructive. And maybe uh, that should have happened before she even called him because she was at a place at the beginning of that conversation where she was so emotionally sure. charged that it wasn't going to be constructive probably. So uh, somebody said, trying to practice law or run a business while homeschooling or monitoring homeschooling or ch of children equals negative reservoir tank. How to do this now? And let me give a let me take a first crack at at this question. First thing I would do, uh, I would recommend for couples. Yeah, in in a way, it might seem easier, right? Because no one's leaving the house, so it's, it's maybe less complicated in terms of checking in with each other. But it's amazing that even that when you're in the same space and you have so many different things going on, the checking in doesn't happen. So I, I have a, a set of clients that I'm seeing now, a couple, who are every, every Friday, they are checking in to see if there are any concerns, any challenges, either just personally or with the relationship that they need to talk about. And, and that's a really good thing to wow. be intentional and, and have a scheduled time to check in, especially now. Now is so challenging mm -hmm. with everybody under the same roof, with homeschooling, with people dealing with change and loss and so just emotionally fragile at times. And the other thing I would say is that we, um, each of us need to be real intentional about what are our energy replenishers. Like make a list Ooh, yeah. of things that we can do to replenish because we know we're getting, our energy is getting tapped. So what are those? And they don't have to be big things. They could be going for a walk. They could be listening to music. They could be taking a bath. Uh, it could be doing a breathing exercise, yoga. Uh, but but we, we all each have our unique energy replenishers. So I would encourage folks to know what they are. That's huge. That is huge. And I think that's a theme we'll come back to. Uh, any tip or strategy or anything that we say, you kind of have to take with a grain of salt, really a whole shaker, because there's all kinds of tips and strategy and stuff out there. It's not really going to work, though, if you're not doing it from an authentic place and if you're not, uh, like Michael said, uh, dialed into yourself, understanding where you are, how you operate, what things set you off, and 
thinking about how you're approaching this and like Wendy said, being a student of your spouse. That's all the time we have on this week's episode of the Thriving Lawyers podcast. Thought that'd be a good stopping point and we'll pick up next week with uh, part two of this roundtable discussion during the webinar for Lawyer Wellbeing Week called Put Away Your Legal Pad, How to Stop Litigating Ourselves Out of Good Relationships. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thriving Lawyers Podcast. We love hearing from our loyal listeners, so please feel free to email us any questions, comments, suggested topics, or guest recommendations at the following address, feedback at thrivinglawyerspodcast.com. The Thriving Lawyers Podcast is brought to you by Real-Time Creative Learning Experiences, a national provider of continuing legal education and professional development programs that leave participants engaged, encouraged, and equipped to pursue meaningful and sustainable change in their practices, their lives, and the organizations they work in. And by Osborne Conflict Resolution, your experienced guides through the uncharted terrain of business and family law disputes based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Thriving Lawyers Podcast.